Hello friends and welcome back to another episode of the Sacktown Royalty Show. I'm your host, Tony Subterras, and it's been a minute, but we're here to talk about what the Sacramento Kings did in free agency. Joining me on the podcast this week from Sacktown Royalty, Brad Geyser and Sanchez Singh. I'll start with Brad. How are you doing 48 hours out from a crazy start to free agency? Good. I think I'm just now recovering, but, you know, they didn't completely wet the bed, so what else can you ask for? I'd even argue they uh, the bed is, like, as dry as it's ever been. Oh, yeah. After free agency. Um, the bed's looking great, but we'll get into that later. Sanjesh, how are you? I'm doing really good, man. This free agency was awesome. Very, very exciting. Uh, before we jump into talking about specific players and all the ways the Kings roster changed since June 30th, um, I do have a podcast announcement. I'm sure our listeners have noticed that I haven't uploaded a podcast since the Luke Walton uh, podcast when he was hired a couple of months ago, and that's for good reason. Um, well, I shouldn't say it's for, for good reason, but it's for a reason, and uh, that reason is I don't want to do the podcast anymore. Um, I, I shouldn't say it like that because... I do love the podcast. Recording the podcast is always fun. Uh, but editing the show, posting the show, booking the show, and all of the other stuff a host needs to do around the fun parts, um, I just didn't want to do anymore. And I also didn't want to uh, hold anyone else on staff back if they wanted to take a shot at hosting the show. Um, I think this position has a ton of potential, and I just thought it was time for somebody else to take it there. Uh, like Greg Wissinger did for me, um, I don't know, two or three years ago at this point, whenever I took over the show from him. With all that being said, starting whenever he's ready to fully take over all aspects of the podcast, your new host of the Sacktown Royalty Show going forward will be Brad Geyser. Congratulations, No way. Brad. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if, I mean, is, is it a congratulations? It's your responsibility now. I've never liked the guy, so. I feel like a weight's lifted off to my shoulders, so I'll take it. <laughs> so are you leaving now, or? I'm leaving. You and Sanjesh can record the rest of the show. Oh, okay, um, sweet. <laughs> hopefully post it for me so I don't have to do that. Um, no, but Brad, I think, uh, I don't know, I'm excited to see what, what a Brad Geyser podcast looks like. No, I'm looking forward to it. I'm trying to, obviously I'm starting in a strange time for a basketball podcast because it will be immediately after free agency, so there will be like a two-month void. So I'm already trying to brainstorm some fun things I can do. I'm hoping to do it weekly, if not more, for special occasions. And... Yeah, it'll be fun. I appreciate you letting me take over. Sure, um, and, and I will. Uh, I'm happy to guest anytime. Just don't ask me to to again do any editing or um, or posting or any of that uh, garbage. Um, okay, well, because this is either my last show or one of my last shows, I did almost uh, no preparation for the podcast today. It's uh, kind of like the last semester of um, senior year of high school thing, where you know all your college applications are in, and uh, the second half of the year means nothing. Um, I know I'm moving on, so who cares? But I'll throw it to Sanjesh first. Uh, the Kings made four key signings in free agency. They brought back Harrison Barnes at four years, $85 million. They signed Dwayne Dedman for three years and $41 million, with the last year only partially guaranteed. They signed Corey Joseph for three years, $37 million, with the last year only partially guaranteed. They signed Trevor Ariza to a two-year, $25 million contract with the second year only partially guaranteed. And shout-out to Aaron Bruski. The Kings also signed Rashawn Holmes to a two-year, $10 million contract. So, Sanjesh, the Kings have been very active here over the last couple of days. Which signing are you uh, most excited about? I'm going to go with 
Dwayne Dedman, obviously, is going to be our new starting center. Absolutely love this guy from his journey to basketball, which you guys can watch on Sports Illustrated in an eight-minute clip. Um, he can run the floor really well. He protects the rim much better than our previous center. He can hit the three at, 38, at a 38% clip, which is going to be really awesome for this starting unit because almost everyone can stretch the floor at this point. Um, and I think that's going to be a big factor in his ability to fit alongside Marvin Bagley, which I'm excited to watch. Um, I think he's not as good as a rebounder than Willie Cauley-Stein, but that's not what I'm too worried about. And he's also could be like a perfect stopgap option for a Harry Giles growth and also the partial guarantee for his third year. I absolutely love this deal. Yeah, and leading up to free agency, we had talked about so many centers. I mean, there were Al Horford rumors and, uh, I don't know, I'm drawing Brooke Lopez and uh, DeAndre Vucevic. Jordan. Vucevic. Vucevic, yeah, there, I think there was another, uh, the Clint Capella rumors. This could mm-hmm. have went in so many different directions for the Kings. And um, when, I think it was Carmichael Dave who broke the news that Dwayne Dedman was going to be the guy, for as much as I love Al Horford and Clint Capella, uh, not so much DeAndre Jordan, but, you know, it was mostly Horford and Capella were the two guys that, you know, would have provided the Kings with a, with a really big upgrade at center. There was a sigh of relief, at least from me, that the Kings went with a more short, short-term, um, less risk move in signing Dwayne Dedman, like you said, Sanjesh. The last year is only partially guaranteed, so you're really looking at a two-year deal that leaves uh, plenty of room for Harry Giles to take over if he is good enough to do that. Um, but regardless, you're not stuck with what could have been a really dangerous Al Horford contract or Clint Capella, who, while very good, doesn't provide the floor spacing that a guy like Marvin Bagley and De'Aaron Fox desperately need out there, uh, in my opinion, in that starting lineup. So Deadman is kind of, to me again, the best of both worlds in a, a, uh, a contract you don't have to worry about and the fit on the floor is, is perfect, really. I'll throw it over to Brad. Outside of Deadman, uh, who's your uh, second most exciting signing, unless Deadman wasn't your first? <laughs> no, I think Deadman was my first for all the reasons you said. Um, probably Ariza. Just he intrigues me. He's always been kind of a fascinating player anyway, because since his magic days, he is very inconsistent year to year. But at the top of his game, he's been a very valuable player for many great teams. Um. I, he he was a champion on the Lakers, right? I don't know. You want to wait one second and I'll Google it? It sounds right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was. I'm not positive. But yeah, um, he had some championship experience. I don't know how overrated or underrated that is, but that's good. Um, After a season where we had no small forwards, no true small forwards for 60% of the season, now we have two solid options, so that's great. Um. At the top of his game, he's shown he can be a great leader. On those Rockets teams a couple years ago, he was huge for the ones that should have beat the Warriors but didn't. Yeah. He's a little older. He's 34. I see that right now. But um, off the bench, I think he's just about as ideal as you can have for uh, three. Yeah, and he did win uh, an NBA championship with the Lakers in 2009. So uh, shout out to Brad. You got that one correct. Um I like the Ariza signing, too. He wasn't on my list of, of wings, mostly because I thought he'd, you know, kind of go back to Washington or, or find a starting role somewhere, even though he was on the decline. He just wasn't really on my radar as a guy who would be willing to come to the Kings as a clear 
backup wing. And, you know, he may only play 20 minutes or so a game, which would be, uh, you know, a significant cut for what he's used to. Um, but what I like about Ariza is his is what he does for the Kings with lineup versatility. Now, you know, how exciting is it thinking about lineups where Marvin Bagley is at center and you've got Harrison Barnes or Ariza at the three and the four, and then, you know, whatever you want to do with your guards. But with Ariza and Barnes on the roster, two really big wings who can guard anywhere from two to four or even five in, in very, very small ball lineups. I mean, we saw P.J. Tucker play the five for the Rockets last year, so it's, you know, it's conceivable that those guys could play the five in very, very, very extreme circumstances. But, uh, yeah, Ariza as, like, a 3 and D veteran who has the versatility to play all these different positions and gives the lineup, the different lineup versatilities with the Kings. Uh, again, an out-of-nowhere signing. I'd say the least telegraphed signing the Kings made this summer. But um, with it essentially being a one-year deal because uh, the Ken Kentonella special, um, getting that partial guarantee on the final year, the dollar amount is maybe a little too high, but honestly don't really care. At this point, it's a one-year deal. So so welcome to the team, Trevor Reason. And after years of the Maloose that are still on my mind of us just barely going over the minimum you're supposed to pay, I'm happy that we're overpaying people to try to make the team better. Yeah, and it, and it seems like the Kings overpaid with purpose. Like, we talked about how many of these contracts were partial guarantees. You can call you can call the overpay, you know, half Sacramento tax, half you're paying for the for the partial guarantee. You're paying for the option to not have to pay them in their final year. And if that's the cost of of getting that partial guarantee, if the cost is a little bit more in in the first couple years of the contract, or in a reason's case, a little bit more for one year, I am totally fine with that. That gives you, you know, the option to get his money off your books next summer and try and sign somebody else if, if Ariza proves he's, you know, at, it keeps declining and is over the hill and is not, not the option we think he is. Getting that partial guarantee there makes whatever overpay to me a, a lot more palatable. Also, um, none of these guys, in my opinion, are bad overpays as well. Um, if, if you're going to overpay um, any of these, they're all pretty solid options to overpay. Dwayne Dedman is going to be your starting center. Ariza is going to be your main backup forward who can also switch and guard from the two to the four, even the one. Corey Joseph is going to be a solid player for this team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. He can also lock down the one and the two. Um, Rashawn Holmes, you know, assigned for the room, M- room MLE. So that was a brilliant option as a depth big. But the Kings really did so good on this free agency uh, Sanjesh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what Corey Joseph can bring to the team as the new backup point guard behind De'Aaron Fox? See, I felt like giving Joseph $12.3 million was a lot. Well, not a lot, but more than I would have expected because I was expecting somewhere in the 8 to $9 million range. Um, Joseph was coming off like a $7,250,000 contract, I think, with the Pacers. Um because he just averaged 6.5 points, 3.4 rebounds, 3.9 assists, shot 41% and 32% from three, but he barely shoots the three because he's not that great at it. So it kind of looks bad that you're paying um, him 12 million to do to really give you defense, but he gives you excellent defense. So that's why I think it's going to be so much more to it with Corey Joseph. Um, he can he can really lock down the one and two spots. He can play alongside De'Aaron Fox as a two guard. He can play alongside Bogdan Bogdanovich as a one guard. Um, he can help facilitate the offense, but he's not going to give you um, 
like the shot creation or the three point shooting, but he can definitely he can definitely fit alongside this team so well. Um, he can also you know give De'Aaron Fox some defensive lessons because he's one of the best in the league at defense. Uh, the Pacers in general were a great defensive team, and Corey Joseph had a lot to do with that. So I think that this is going to be a really good move for the Kings. Um, I'm excited to see how he competes with Yogi Ferrell as well in terms of running the backup point. But I think as for now, he's going to be the main, and Yogi Ferrell is going to be the third. But this is exciting, man, because he also gives, like Ariza, he also gives this team extra versatility for lineups. Like you can go with the small ball lineup and or small ball defensive lineup with Fox, Corey Joseph, Ariza, Barnes, Deadman. There's just so many options now with this type of roster the Kings put out there. I'm stealing from uh, Bill Simmons here, which is always kind of dangerous. But he, <laughs> he always does this thing on his podcast um, where he talks about how like he can tell when a player is good or bad based on how the, the fan base reacts when that player leaves. Um, and I've received messages from not only Indiana Pacers fans, but from Toronto Raptors fans who are kind of congratulating the Kings for, for grabbing Corey Joseph. And it's hard to tell... You know, we all like to think we have a good grasp on all the teams in the NBA, uh, but it's hard to tell exactly how good a player is if he's not on the team you're watching for 82 games a year. So I can talk about Corey Joseph. I, you know, I've probably watched him play, I don't know, 50, 60 games of his entire NBA career just catching a Raptors game or a Pacers game or a, a Spurs game early on in his career over the years. Uh, and I have my own opinion of what Corey Joseph is based on looking at his numbers and, again, those few those few games I have watched of his but hearing how much those other teams are going to miss him mostly for his defensive impact is uh is great to hear and you may call that again a slight overpay if you're just looking at his offensive production but this is an instance where if I am the Kings I am willing to overpay for defense especially defense at Corey Joseph's age he's 27 so this is not a Trevor Reza situation where you're getting a player on the decline Corey Joseph is a fantastic defender in his athletic prime. And, you know, again, offensive production may not justify the contract, but they need to start improving their defense somewhere. And if you're going to overpay anywhere, overpaying for a guard, a defensive guard, that's fine with me. He is a pop player, too. Uh, he spent his first four years under pop. And, you know, that that he's like that quintessential pop guy who, kind of came out of nowhere if i remember correctly and um those dudes always seem to just have a little longevity and be valuable in that exact role that he's going to take over as the guy he's not going to start but he's going to come off the bench and need to provide us with valuable minutes can i remind you of a greg popovich player that did not work out in sacramento who also happened to be a point guard oh another point guard i was thinking bellinelli um your boy george hill (laughs) Oh, oh. He, he doesn't count, though. He disappoints everybody. He, he's disappointed, what, 27 teams by now? But he keeps finding money. He keeps finding I know. Money. He's a grifter. He is. I give him credit. His agent what, deserves a raise. What did he sign for, like, 30 more, three years, 10 million? Back for, I think he was, still, yeah, three for 29, I think it was, or something like that. Is he still getting paid, like, the contract we signed him to? So he... The they declined his twenty million dollar option, which would have been the Kings twenty million dollar option if we could. Oh, okay. Him, and then re-signed with Milwaukee for what was it, three years twenty nine, like Sanjay said. Yeah, in he, that it's range. A, it's amazing. He plays well for like the last four months of every contract. Um <laughs> and then gets paid again. That's, that's smart. <laughs> yeah, it is smart. 
So was, in that trio of guys we had in that presser, was Vince Carter the best signing? <laughs> yeah, the one year. Yeah, pretty much, so. yeah. Although, I liked Zach Randolph. Uh, yeah, Zach Randolph was some comic relief. I don't know. Yeah. I thought I know some people put a lot on his shoulders. I we got the old relatively rotund Zach Randolph. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I he wasn't that great, but he was fine that year he played and he seemed like a good locker room guy. Um he, he definitely yeah. shot a lot. <laughs> he was our leading scorer, right? Yeah, yeah leading crazy. scorer, yeah. That's <laughs> that, that, that some kind of year. trivia question that like if you asked I don't know, 40 years from now, trying to remember who the Kings' leading scorer was for a team that had, like, De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley and Buddy Heald, and the leading scorer was Zach Randolph. That is a wild answer. <laughs> yeah, and it, but it wasn't very high. It was, like, 14 a game or something. Yeah, it was, like, in the 14 to 16 range, pretty yeah, sure. That, that was when Yeager feel... was playing everybody, like, an even 20 minutes. At the very mm-hmm. least, I kind of want Zach Randolph to re-sign with Memphis or something and get a little, like, <laughs> better exit to her. I mean, what are the odds he's touched the basketball since his last game with the Kings? Oh, he hasn't. He's... He has not. Yeah, he has not, yeah. <laughs> Just can't believe that Vladi pulled him off in that uh, Justin Jackson-Harrison Barnes deal as well. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Well, Crazy. he basically disappeared for that yeah. entire year when they had traded him. Like, they traded Zach Randolph, and he, like, I don't know. He was at every tenth a game or something like that. Oh, he, he had the best job. He just, you know, he got to show up and watch a basketball game every few days when he wanted to. Yeah, only when he yeah. wanted to. No obligation whatsoever. Didn't he get? Wasn't he like on an eleven million contract, right? Something, Something like that. Too high. That might have even been more. I'm trying to remember. I almost want to say it was thirteen or fourteen million, but I could be wrong. We can uh, we can blame Dave for that. Dave Yeager, since he's no longer here, for uh, making sure Vlade <laughs> brought back his old buddy. <laughs> Brad, I'm gonna go to you now. I'm gonna give you the Aaron Bruski special. Uh, <laughs> what do you think of the Rashawn Holmes signing? I'm not going to lie. The, Rashawn Holmes, as someone who hasn't had league pass for a couple of years, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, but I was just perusing his basketball reference page. So That's all you, you know. know. I've, one thing that immediately stuck out to me was that in 2016, 2017, he was a 35% three-point shooter. Then he was a 13% three-point shooter. Then he didn't shoot a three last year. In 70 games. Very interesting analysis, Brad. <laughs> yeah. I remember reading that when uh, when Holmes left Philadelphia and went to the Suns, the Suns wanted to keep him as, you know, a stretch four and, like, you know, develop his three-point game yeah. even more. But obviously it didn't work out so well because he just, like, completely took it out of his game. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty. that was pretty interesting that he – what was he, like, 35 or 77 attempts, something like that, in the 16-17 yeah. year? Yeah, he, then, he shot over one a game when he did that, so it wasn't like he made four out of 11 or whatever that would be. He actually was yeah. shooting a lot. Yeah, and I was watching some of his um, film from those threes as well, and he had a pretty decent-looking shot. I mean, it was a, definitely a slower slower release. Um, released it like kind of like right in front of his forehead, but it was still it was still a solid-looking release for a guy that, you know, was not really a three-point shooter for much of his you know career. I joked about that point, Brad, but that's actually very interesting. Now that I'm looking at the numbers, <laughs> 3 attempts at 35% for Sean yeah. Holmes. Where did that come from? That's decent shooting for. <laughs> that's why I think it's funny that he didn't shoot one last year. It's... All right, all the listeners, put that one in your pocket in case you start shooting threes this year. You heard it here first. Brad. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited about Rashawn Holmes. Um, if you if you want to know anything about him, go to twitter.com backslash. <laughs> 
don't know. What's Aaron Brewski's handle? I think it's Aaron Brewski. I'm not positive on that, but twitter.com backslash Aaron Brewski for all your Rashawn Holmes analysis. Um, but you know, I joke, but Brewski's right about Holmes being a very productive player, especially for, for that contract where I get, um, where I have question marks with regards to the Rashawn Holmes signing who, uh, you know, love the player energy guy. Uh, He's basically reverse Willie Cauley-Stein. Like, maybe his numbers are a little bit less. Uh, maybe his rebounding numbers are a little bit lower. But he's all effort all the time, whereas Willie Cauley-Stein will kind of, I don't know, get whatever comes to him. And um, Holmes protects the rim, too. Exactly. Um, especially, like, he only plays 17 minutes a game and still averaged 1.1 blocks a game. Um, I was watching some of his blocks yesterday, and they were like so emphatic. He timed them perfectly. Even if he was like a few feet behind the defender, he'd run over and still block it. I remember a, a Pistons game. Um, Zaza Pachulia was in a prime position for like a wide open dunk underneath the basket, and Rashawn Holmes was off balance and getting his getting up from almost falling down, and he still blocked the guy from behind. So I mean, with Holmes, you're definitely going to get all effort, uh, no matter how many minutes he plays. So this is going to be a fantastic signing for the Kings. He's going to become a fan favorite really fast. Um, I wouldn't even be—I wouldn't even be surprised if he if he becomes a fan favorite game one. Man, this guy is going to be awesome. Yeah, and there's not—I mean, we talk about Dwayne Dedman as the starting center of the Sacramento Kings, and that is—you know—that is who I expect to start on day one for sure, and that mm-hmm. is who I think is the better player. But there is not a zero percent chance. That at some point this season, Rashawn Holmes is your starting center. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying the talent difference between him and Deadman is not so great that I couldn't see uh, the much younger player because Rashawn Holmes is only 25. Deadman mm-hmm. is 30. There is a world where Rashawn Holmes is actually uh, the starting center here at some point this season. Not predicting we- it, but I, it, it could happen. And we still don't know what Harry Giles is going to look like either. Right. That's he, he has a massive – is it his sophomore year? I, I forget how this works. I guess he was eligible for Technically, the year. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we don't know. I We might not even see him in summer league. So he might come in and suddenly be – though he might not be fouling everyone and he might be – he might elevate to the starter too. I, I don't think it's clear cut who's going to be starting in January. Um, the thing is, if we get the Harry Giles – uh, pre-injury, it was the hamstring injury that brought him out, right? Pretty much for the rest of the season. At the I end think. of last year? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Harry Giles was like, you know, he was improving little by little, and then he started becoming really better on the floor, and then when Marvin Bagley went down against the Bucks game, who brought us back? It was Harry Giles, who was like throwing out of his mind. Um, the thing is, like, you know, we don't know where exactly he is right now after the injury and him not playing Summer League, so we're not going to be able to see him play basketball for a while now. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Holmes just, you know, takes over everyone's spot. <laughs> I think with Harry Giles' injury, I want to say that the end of the hamstring one wasn't as bad as how long he sat out, but it was the end of the year. So, he yeah, did no, sit out, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, he but sat out. I, I get the feeling with the Summer League, they're just worried about, he is a guy who's missed, what, three years of his last five or something, so they might be preserving him. He might play a game or two, but I'm not reading too much into his Summer League um, absence, and I think he still can be added to the roster. I'm not worried about it, but if they're holding him out because they're worried about re-injury, that makes me at least concerned about this guy's durability. Like I, I don't think the Kings are hiding an injury here. I do think Harry Giles is healthy now, but the I, fact that they aren't even willing to play him 
uh, just just because they don't want to risk it, that doesn't make me super comfortable. I just think I don't know if I think I this might be just saying the same thing. I, th- I don't think of it as necessarily like being scared of his injury. Just you know, the last thing they want is after a good first run, especially at the end of the year, is for him to have a setback in summer league when he had he does have the added injuries. So we'll see. That does make sense. I'm not gonna gonna crush them really for that at all. Um, but Sanjesh, I'll ask you this because now. You know, before the Rashawn Holmes signing, all the other moves the Kings made kind of fit perfectly into place. Like, you had a backup, a good backup at every position. But now with Holmes, it does make the front court a little interesting with regards to playing time. They've got uh, Dwayne Dedman there. We mentioned Rashawn Holmes there. Harry Giles there. Uh, Nemanja Bialica there. And Marvin Bagley there. That's five guys for four spots, and when you look at this roster, it's really five guys for, like, three and a half spots because you expect both Harrison Barnes and Trevor Reza to play small ball four at times. So if you had a, predi- mm-hmm. uh, a prediction, Sanjesh, on how the front court rotation shakes out, who's the guy missing from the rotation? Hmm, this is going to be a tough one because Bagley and Deadman should be the day one starters. Yep. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Bielitsa is still the primary four backup just because his uh, ability to stretch the floor could be, you know, really versatile um, among the front court, unless you're planning to play Barnes or Reza as a small ball four. Um, I think at the moment, Giles is probably going to be the backup to Deadman at center, and then Holmes is going to be your fifth big option for now. But I wouldn't be surprised if you reverse Holmes and Giles as well, and um, Giles is the one who's playing like 10 to 15 minutes a game to see where he's at. But, yeah, it's kind of a tough one because... We don't really know where they want to take this five-man group right now. Brad, do you have uh, any predictions for that front court? I, I think we're all forgetting that Caleb Swinnigan exists, too. <laughs> well, did you see him last night? <laughs> oh, man. It's hard to forget that he exists. That is a big boy. <laughs> no, do you know who I did see last night is Wenyan Gabriel. Oh, and he bowled out. him into the mix. Where are you going to find yeah. his minutes? He might be the starting center. I don't 24 know. and 12, whatever, whatever he had. Yeah, he yeah, was. 22 he, and 12, yeah. <laughs> he was flying Al- everywhere. Alec Burks and Swain again, I just consistently forgot about their existence all year. And Ben McLemore for that for that matter, before he had that weirdly great game. Against Phoenix. Was that Phoenix or was that LA? Yeah, it was it was Phoenix when uh the Kings were com- like Kings were, the Kings were falling apart and the Suns were coming back in. Um, you know, Holmes is the one that was really like, you know, a catalyst in that change too, because the Kings couldn't keep up with him. But Ben McLemore, oh, yeah. I think he had like 20 points in that game, and he was like my best player in the recap article. <laughs> the only one, I think. Oh, is he on a roster yet? I don't think he is. No, I just know that there was uh, links between him and Oklahoma City because Oklahoma City was in need for a shooter. And uh, I was reading some like Oklahoma City guys' thoughts, and they were saying that Ben McLemore like, could be like a good uh, low-minute 35% career, career three-point shooter. But, oh, you know, we, they opted for Alec Burks instead, so... I'm not sure where Ben McLemore stands right now. Poor guy. Yeah. Well, he seems to work so hard and yeah. his shot's so beautiful. I do not understand why it hasn't translated to the NBA. I know form is just form, but I I've, I've always thought he's going to figure it out and he just doesn't. Yeah, his but, basketball IQ isn't the highest either. That probably plays a big role in that too. Well, Kawhi Leonard ended his soul. I don't think he's ever recovered from that. Oh, I remember that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Refresh my memory. I, I remember I, I try to 
black out most of my life as a Kings fan from my memory. I think it was – what was it? McLemore's like third or fourth year and, you know, he always had issues uh, ball handling as a two. Like whoever was the mm-hmm. point guard had all the ball, hand, ball handling responsibilities because McLemore just couldn't dribble. And he brought the ball up uh, once on Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi swiped it from him, uh, went back, fast break dunk. McLemore did the exact same thing, second, uh, second play in a row. Uh, Kawhi swiped it again. Fast break dunk. I think that's how it went down. But it was two Kawhi Leonard, like, clean uh, steals, two immediate transition buckets um, mm-hmm. in a row. And I feel like immediately after that, it was timeout. McLemore's uh, out of the game. So I don't think there's a, a quicker way to murder your confidence than that. <laughs> yeah, that would be so embarrassing and devastating. <laughs> well, there's there's an option. Um, when and if Kawhi joins the Lakers, he doesn't have to worry about that if he joins them because they'll have like $3 to spend on nine roster spots. So. I don't want to speak mm. that into existence yet. I'm going to ask you this, Brad. Who is in the uh, the NBA longer? And I'm going to count Summer League because both two of these players are in Summer League right now. If you had to, uh, to, to take a guess... Malachi Richardson, Jimmy Fredette, Ben McLemore. Who is still in like the NBA circle the longest out of those three? I want to say Jimmer because I just want Jimmer to get his chance. I know he's not going to. <laughs> I just want him to. Well, he's right like now, the... him and him and Malachi are, are playing in summer league, yeah. and McLemore's doing nothing. So, but Malachi will probably stick around because he's still like twenty three. I think he's got to be in his mid twenties. Maybe he's in er, early twenties. Maybe he's in his mid twenties by now, but. I've got to think that it's going to be um, Malachi probably just due to his age and he hasn't completely burned out. He never had the expectations of the other two either. Yeah, a couple of failed uh, Sacramento two guards. What are you going to do? I, I had faith in Malachi for a while. I like the guy. He was okay for the first half of his rookie year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, yeah. Sounds about right. Really did much after and that. Nick Stauskas is a free agent too, I think, right? Oh, another, another, two failed, guard. another failed two guard. <laughs> and uh, shall, shall we mention Tyreek Evans here? Uh, out of the league for two years, so. Oh, uh, yeah, that's. You know what? If we added Tyreek Evans to that pool of two guards, I bet he is in the NBA longer than the rest of those guys still. Because in two years, he'll be on a roster somewhere. Mark my words. <laughs> <laughs> he'll be saying this in 2040. He, he might be 63 <laughs> years old, but. He can still play the point. <laughs> He's a he'll basketball be, player. He'll be like, what? Low, he's a basketball player. That's a fact. He'll be, what, like low 30s, two years of resting his knee? He'll be back better than ever. Maybe. Shouldn't OJ Mayo be coming back from a similar suspension? <laughs> so I was going to make that point, and then it didn't fit my argument, so I didn't because he never came back. Yeah. Well, I don't – I feel – was that two years ago, three years ago? It was long enough for his ban to expire. I, I know that. So we, he is technically eligible, eligible for the NBA, yeah. but uh, no one picked him up. As far as I know, I could be wrong. I think that's right, though. Well, the big three will enjoy him. Yeah. <laughs> they should do that. I, I don't know why they haven't done that yet. Speaking of which, I was watching it for a little bit the other day. Dante Green hit a game winner for... Uh, oh, I saw that. Was that the Killer Threes? Was that oh, the really? Th- he had a game winner. Good for you. He Dante. had a game winner. Yeah, they had a comeback win over... Um, the names are all escaping me, but yeah, he had a game winner. I didn't know he was in the big three, but I always liked Dante. I'll never forget the uh, heated arguments. You know, who is the next starting small forward for the Kings? Is it Dante Green? Is it Omri Caspi? Those are some early Kings debates on uh, on Sacktown Royalty and other message boards out there. Hey, another free agent, I believe, Omri Caspi. 
Yeah, coming off of a yeah. uh, some kind of leg injury. He's always coming off of some injury. That guy has Francisco Garcia look. <laughs> Poor Francisco. Medicine balls. I'll never forget that Omri Caspi, Steph Curry, three-point contest in the middle of a game. <laughs> That's one of the best moments of the last decade. Oh, yeah. Was uh, the Caspi-Curry shootout. I felt so bad for him when he was included in the boogie trade, and I thought he was going to be great for the Pelicans. Me too. It was like, oh, the, the Pelicans got boogie, but, you know, keep your eyes on Omri. He's got some game too. <laughs> the Pelicans that year were on some shady stuff too, where they were just, they kept cutting guys for getting injured. Yeah, Omri got cut after he got hurt. Right. And there were others. I believe Jarrett Jack and others. Like, they weren't star players, but I want to say there were four or five guys who got hurt and then cut. That seems shady to me. Well, now they got Zion, so it all worked out for him. I guess we should mention Harrison Barnes. He also oh, yeah. uh, signed, technically re-signed. Well, maybe that's not technical because he opted out and signed again. I don't know if that's a re-sign or not. Um, but they brought him back at four years, $85 million. Some debate on whether that, much, whether that was an overpay and by how much. I think, you know, most NBA people outside of Sacramento would probably call that an overpay. If you follow the team locally and you understand how hard it's been for this franchise to attract free agents that haven't been here already, uh, you you may think that's more of a fair deal than an overpay. But uh, Sanjesh, what did you think of the Harrison Barnes contract and resigning? Um, I'm really happy he came back. Um, I don't think if you were looking for another option in the free agent market, you weren't gonna you weren't gonna find a better realistic fit than Harrison Barnes. Um, the next best the next best option behind him. Because the Kings weren't going to get Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, or Tobias Harris. Those were like three probably out-of-the-league guys, or Jimmy Butler. Um, but Harrison Barnes was like in the next tier of free agent, small forwards, along with Boyan Bogdanovich. But I would probably, I'd much rather go with Harrison Barnes. I mean, he wanted to come back with the Kings. He went on that India trip to promote Kings basketball as well. Um, I was hoping that he was going to sign for a four-year or four million or four-year eighty million deal. That would have been fantastic. But I'm not upset about four, four years and eighty-five million at all, especially on a declining contract. Um, he definitely can. He definitely fit in really well with the Kings, much more than I expected him to. Um, he was hitting the three out of forty-one percent clip or forty point eight something like that. His defense was really solid as well. Um, he's also just twenty-seven, so he fits the core of this team. I mean, I love the signing. I mean, oh, the re-signing, I guess you could call it. So he's a year older than Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> For now, That's Buddy crazy. will be older next year, yeah. somehow. Buddy Heald will be 40 by the end of the season. Yeah, so Barnes is older <laughs> for now, but Buddy will catch up quickly. Um, yeah, I, I think the Harrison Barnes, I was probably a little bit more down on that contract uh, when it was immediately announced. Um, I think the first number was like four years, 88. And then I think someone else had four years, 90. And then it eventually mm -hmm. settled back down to four years, 85, which, you know, we're talking about, you know, we're kind of splitting hairs here, but that's a little bit better. And the, the fact that it is descending is nice because the Kings probably weren't going to use all their cap space this summer. So it saves them a little bit, you know, three, four years down the road if they might need it. Um, and then when you look at the Harrison Barnes signing, in context of the rest of the moves the Kings made, the roster really came together nicely, and that also kind of changes my thinking with regards to, you know, that being an overpay or not. Was it an overpay to me? Probably, yes, but I care a lot less now seeing how the entire roster came together because now I'm just excited to see, you know, the different lineups they can put out 
because they have guys like Barnes and Ariza and Joseph that can play multiple positions and defend multiple positions. So, you know, without... It's weird being on a podcast and talking about how good the Kings did in free agency, <laughs> but that's my takeaway for all of these moves. Like, the Kings did a really good job. Yeah, they have yeah. a strangely complete roster for the Kings. I'm used to not having one position or only having one player in each position. We have a strangely deep depth chart. Deep depth chart, yeah. Right. We've had years where, you know, Iman Shumpert is forced into the starting three, or we've got, like, 14 bigs and, like, one guard. Like, we've had some <laughs> unbalanced garbage rosters. And what Vlade and the front office did this summer was just get depth everywhere uh, for, a, you know, a, a bunch of different guys that do different things who can play in different spots. And it's hard to not walk away from, again, walk away from free agency. Very excited to watch the team this year. And I really want them for the cherry on top to bring back Corey Brewer. I just feel yeah, like he's yeah. perfect with this group of guys we have. And he might not play every game, but I just feel like Corey Brewer is perfect for what we've done. Brewer and he wanted to come back, too. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. That he guy is it. insane. He broke his neck during a game. That in my mind. <laughs> he's and he just was, came back. That was so he's made out of rubber somehow. He, he is, just got right back up. Like he, nothing happened. Uh, well, I forget if it was Buddy Heald or De'Aaron Fox. I think it was De'Aaron Fox who said, oh, he's older. He knows how to fall. Yeah, I was on that <laughs> uninterrupted podcast, I think. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. With Doug Christie, right? Yeah. That's a good podcast. They haven't done one in a while. I think they were supposed yeah, to have one more coming out. The other good one was Vince Carter and Vin- Ken Bazemore, but Bazemore's in Portland now, and I don't know where Vince Carter's ending up. But that was I haven't good. listened to, uh, to any of that, but I heard it was good. Since I'm taking over, I need to steer people to other podcasts. So Yes, and you need to take a uh, good look at the landscape of the, the podcast world and, and see I think, what's out there. I think all this tells me is I just need to get a co-host who's on the Kings, Corey Brewer. There you go. He dropped I would listen to a, too. I would listen to a Corey Brewer podcast. What religious. do you think his interests are? Any idea? That's why I would listen to it because I don't <laughs> yeah. tell me anything. You could tell me he can sing the entire soundtrack to Phantom of the Opera, and I'd be like, okay, makes that sense. like Corey Brewer. He's, yeah, he's hilarious. I don't think I ever realized how hilarious he was till he was over here. He is. He's, the, the picture of him, what was that picture? I don't know if Kimani took it or if somebody else took it. There was something crazy happening in the background. I, someone refresh my memory if, if anyone remembers. And he's just standing there in his goggles, like, oh, it oblivious was to what's going on. Was I it, think was it was it Giannis, Giannis getting a dunk, yeah. Giannis, yeah, he was getting a dunk, and then Brewer was just standing there looking straight. <laughs> oh, yeah, I had that as my avatar for a while. There you go, yeah. <laughs> so we need to sign Brewer, is what I'm saying. We need more moments yeah, such, like that. Such a Brewer picture right there. Right. Especially the one when he was falling down. I mean, that's like, that's such a Brewer picture again. <laughs> well, the, you can the see, most cor- you oh, can see in, the, in the Brewer fall, like all the fans in the background, like shocked. They got their hands in their mouth, their hands in their head, and he just pops mm-hmm. right back up like nothing happened. My yeah. favorite part, too, an underrated Corey Brewer part of that was that the next day he was questionable, but then he played. <laughs> yeah. I think he came back. He played in the same game, didn't he? He, he did. Yeah, he played in the same game, yeah. He, yeah, they took a timeout. I think he came back right back out, yeah. <laughs> what a maniac. Good for that guy. He's, he's like 42. He's still playing after he <laughs> I, I forget what. I'm going to butcher this. Someone said he has two speeds, run and fall. <laughs> I don't know if that was exactly what I it was. I don't know. It worked for me. It made me laugh. 
<laughs> I think he's perfect. Like put when we just need someone to go out there and I love watching him on defense. He is my favorite player to watch on defense because he just runs around like a wild man, just shaking his arms. It's hilarious. And we he's need a, that. He's almost like one of those uh, inflatable tube men. Yeah. That's why I said Lonzo Ball shoots, too. Like, a, like an inflatable tube man? Yeah. I see that. Did anybody watch the game last night? Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. Uh, Sanjesh, who would you like from the, the California Classic? Did anybody stand out from you on that team? Besides Gabriel's fantastic game, uh, finishing with 22 points and 12 rebounds, I thought Samaj Christian was brilliant. Um, I didn't expect like him to stand out as much as he did, but he's setting up others really well. Um, he controlled the tempo of the offense really well. Uh, his passing was superb, placed them really well. Um, definitely a pass-first point guard. And he also looked solid on defense, but he's 26, so it makes sense that he can you know, do those types of things for an offense. Also, I really liked how Kyle Guy came on. Um, he had two turnovers, I believe, right off the bat. But when he came back on um, after his second appearance in the game, he looked much solid. He created uh, his own pull-up jumper off the escape dribble. He uh, took the ball to the basket and finished the tough floater, eventually hit a three. And then in the fourth quarter, off the timeout, he came off those screens and also hit another big three. Um, those are my three standouts. So, yeah, it was pretty good. I also wanted to see some Alex Robinson and Bryce Brown play. I know a lot of people wanted to watch Bryce Brown um, during the game, too. People were telling the Kings, like, you know, put him in. Obviously, he wasn't going to do anything. But Bryce Brown and Alex Robinson are two guys to look forward to. Um, they're both solid guards. Brown is definitely a really good shooter. Robinson is more of a creator. But as for the three standouts for me, it was definitely Christian, Guy, and Gabriel. Yeah, I was not expecting, you know, you know, Christian was an NBA player, so on mm -hmm. some level you can kind of expect him to look better than others in summer league, but he was a lot more shifty than I remembered him being as like a, a guard who can get where he wants to go on the court. He looked kind of big, like he's really an intriguing player. Unfortunately, the Kings are stacked at point guard right now unless they get get rid of Frank Mason or, or Yogi Ferrell, but yeah, he was... Uh, Probably the most surprisingly impressive impressive guy on the team uh, last night, besides uh, Gabriel, who, who went off. Uh, I don't know if it was anything that hasn't already been said, but yeah, Guy and Gabriel were the two that really got to me. Um, I like that Kyle was kind of shooting out there with some swagger. He hit a couple shots that were just um, might not have been good shots, but he was out there shooting with confidence, and that's always a plus for a guy coming in, especially a second-round pick who needs to make a name for himself. Um. Yeah, I don't think I have anything brilliant to say past what has already been said, though. It was nice to see, uh, this is not part of the game, but it was nice to see the the amount of support the Kings had uh, from their roster players. Uh, they, of course, um, the Kings revealed that they'll be using the, what is it, was it the 1991-93 to 93, uh, jersey? Sometime in the early 90s, the royal blue uh, with the cursive lettering. Um, yeah, those are nice. Back. Those look so great. Uh and again, great to see uh, who was there. It was Marvin Bagley, Harrison Barnes, Decor. Fox, Buddy Hield, and Bogey. Um, mm -hmm. And then even like Chris Webber came in, and, and of course, Vladi and Peja were there. It's great I think to they see said, that kind of support. I think they said Yogi was actually there, but he was sitting behind the rest. So yeah, Yogi was there, yeah. <laughs> in the second row. Poor guy. Unguaranteed contract, might not even make the team, and now he's stuck oh. behind Harrison Barnes. How do you let the guy who's five foot two sit behind the seven footers? <laughs> Well, great to see the support. That's all. <laughs> so we, I feel like we have to cut either Yogi or Frank, right? 
It would seem that way. And it was interesting that Frank Mason didn't play. They they said he was yeah. injured. And you know, maybe he is injured, but if he if if this was a if this was a fake injury situation where you're uh, just holding that guy out because you know you're going to cut him and you want to see if maybe he'll catch on with the summer league team somewhere else where he could, you know, potentially earn yeah. a roster spot. That all makes sense to me that they would kind of call it an injury, figure out how to exactly waive him, figure out what summer league team he was going to sign on with next to, you know, earn a spot somewhere. I'm not saying that happened, but if that's what happens, that would kind of make sense. And yes. Frank, I don't know if he'll make an NBA team, but if, is there a situation where we cut him and then we sign him over to Stockton or whatever? That could happen. That could totally happen. I think Frank could benefit from that. I he has some NBA skills. He's just tiny. He just didn't really look that good last year either. I mean, he started off well, but then the more games he played, the more rough he looked. And then you know, eventually Yogi Ferrell took over. But if there's one guy who really needs to be out there to make a case for himself, it was Frank Mason, and it was just interesting to see him not be ready for the first game. So I'm not sure what his situation will be uh, for the rest of the summer league, but I think his contract becomes guaranteed not in the near future, right? Like sometime in October, is it? Oh, I thought it was in the next few days, but I could that have read that wrong. Bizarre date. I'm not sure the exact date, but because uh, Yogi Ferrell is the fourth, right? Um, I want to say Frank too, because I was in that mock draft where I accumulated 90 second round picks, <laughs> and I traded <laughs> Frank Mason on the basis that they could cut him and. Yeah, his Frank Mason's uh, contract becomes fully guaranteed if he's not waived on October 15th. So, yeah, okay. it was October. Huh. I think I lied to the person I traded with. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else that either one of you has to say about either free agency or the California Classic that we didn't get to yet uh, before we close this podcast down and I go uh, spend an hour or so editing it? Well, there's a player who is unsigned right now who Woj said has no market, and I just want to get down on my knees and beg the NBA to sign Boogie to a team that will be fun for Boogie so that Boogie can have his rehab year. I know he's not on the Kings anymore, but he's near and dear to my heart, and I want Boogie to earn the contract that he kind of got screwed out of with his Achilles injury. Pick a team for Boogie, then. Um, I don't even know. I'm trying to remember who still needs big men. Um... The one I hate that I could see, actually, is the Lakers because yeah. mm-hmm. he's going to be cheap and they're going to need to fill that out with cheap players. And that's that still could be so scary if Boogie's even like 60% of what he was, especially if it's Kawhi, Boogie, Brow, LeBron. Now, that's a huge lineup that I doubt is on there together, but that is insane. I still think the Celtics need like you know more bigs, too. I mean, they signed uh, Enos Cantor for two years, 10 million yesterday. But they still need more. And they just signed a center seven minutes ago um, per Sham's Crania of the Athletic. But it's not someone that a lot of people know. His name is Vincent Poirier. He's six foot eleven. So, I mean, Willie Colisana is out there, too. I'm, I'm not sure about his market. but What, is, what do you guys think Willie's going to get paid? That's I'm not even sure at this point. That's gonna yeah. be the big man, I think the market in general is so hard to figure out these days, but the big man market especially is insane. Yeah, I was going to say, like Sanjesh mentioned, that one of these guys, either Willie or Boogie, to me I would have loved to see Boogie in Boston because you know, that's where I live. That would have been really fun for me. But I could have <laughs> I, uh, easily seen either Willie or, or Boogie go there, and it sounds like Boston has figured out their front court stuff um, with Ennis Cantor and Poirier. 
because I, I just saw the Shams tweet. Even well. even Miami, I think, because they just traded away Hassan Whiteside, and that probably means that Bam is going to get you know a much bigger role now. But if they're looking to fill up you know big man or they're flip their big man rotation. Cousins could make sense in Miami as well. Boogie and Jimmy Butler would be yeah. the most m- must-watch duo in the history of the NBA. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. <laughs> the first time someone on the other team makes either one of them mad, it'll be just, art. Just going over teams now. Did Portland do anything uh, after losing Nurkic? Oh, they got Whiteside, didn't they? Yeah, they got Whiteside, yeah, and they yeah. sent away Harkless, uh, brought back Hood, um, brought uh, Mario Hazonia as well. Um, they drafted Little. I think that's it. Oh, they sent away Myers Leonard to Miami, too. I forgot about that move. Yeah, so who needs a center? Like, the Mavericks brought back Powell, Powell and Cleaver. Uh, mm-hmm. It's tough. It's going to be tough for either one of those. The, what's the Spurs big man situation? Uh, Lamarcus Aldridge for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Rudy Gay plays some par forward for them at times. Does they have Bur- still have Bertans or did they? Uh... I would, I would. Oh love yeah, this. Bertans is still there. Yeah, I've actually talked about this with people in the past though. There's another option. I would love to see Boogie get a year with Pop. I think they'd. I think they would. Yeah, I think they would like each other. I really. Yeah. I think parts sense. of Boogie's. Uh, parts of the things think people think about Boogie aren't exactly fair because. He gives his effort and all that, and Pop loves those types of guys. He doesn't care if someone's a little loose cannon sometimes. Mm-hmm. Maybe Charlotte. I mean, Charlotte has nothing going for them at all. Hell, don't just wish throw, that. Charlotte is really bad right now. Yeah, just throw that Boogie. Let Boogie put up some numbers. Maybe get a, a better contract next year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. They are so bad. Are I'm so trying bad. to think they who's gave, on their team. They gave Terry Rozier three, uh, three years, $58 million, $19 million a year. Worst contract of the summer, for sure. Oof. Yeah, so far, yeah, it's definitely the one. Uh, they still have Michael Kidd Gilchrist for $13 million. I think Bismack Biombo is getting $17 million. Cody Zeller is on the books for about 14 or $15 million. It's just Batum as well, Nicholas Batum. He's getting over $20 million. It's just so bad there. <laughs> um, Bismack Biombo, I, I, I cannot believe how often NBA teams fall for signing those big contracts based on, like, one good playoff series. Yeah. Mahimi, mm-hmm. Biombo, those guys just rotting. Yeah, Mahimi, uh, yeah. Dang just rotting on benches, these big centers. Yeah, they, there's a place for the big center in the NBA still. Like, Boban was – he played quite a bit for the Sixers. Mm-hmm. But you have to be able to – you have to be able to exist with all the other players. Yeah, you can't pay them, you know, 15% of your cap space or whatever it is. So we're presuming Costa Kufis is gone too. Yeah, at this point, yeah, most likely. Yeah, and where's he? Like, that's the thing. I, where are those guys gonna? Like, is Costa Kufis out of the league now? Is he just not gonna? No, I, th- I think. I feel like Costa Kufis can exist. He on can. The he's a good player. Um, yeah, he's good, but where's he gonna go? Like, we can't even find a spot for Willie or Boogie. Yeah, Costa should just go to the Spurs then, if they want to look for someone like that. <laughs> Costa Kufis would be a super Spurs player. Yeah, that's a Spurs player. Pop. I don't. Even if he's not signed right away and it's like mid-season, I think Costa Kufis will end up somewhere. He's he's probably better than some other guys who are rotting at the end of the bench right now. He's probably one of the most self-aware players in the NBA about what his skill set is. I always yeah. found great fifth big to have, a great fifth or sixth big to have for sure. Yeah, I think, it, and he's he's younger than he seems like he should be because he's only like twenty nine or thirty. Right. Yeah, I I like Costa. I I feel like 
he was never he never popped out as a king, but he was the longest tenured king, right? Yeah, Willie was, I think. Oh, okay. Did they come? They came separately. I thought they came together. Are there I any think... other uh, fringe Sacramento Kings uh, NBA player centers that you guys want to discuss before we end the podcast? Um, Boban. It's not a king. But oh, I, I thought think... you meant for the kings. Sorry. Oh well, it could be for the kings, I guess too. I don't know if you guys wanted to talk about like uh, Mickey Moore or something. <laughs> um, Scal is Scal still on the? Oh, there you go. He's oh, Scal for uh, Portland, yeah. Portland still. Um, Simbular. Oh, Simbular. Oh, He's man. playing in like the Lithuanian third league, I think. Yeah. Let's see who else? Papa oh, Eric Portland, uh, NBA champion. Eric. Eric Moore, yeah. Congratulations, oh, Eric Portland. Eric Portland. Yeah. We should give him a little round of applause, to Eric Moore. Uh... Probably the closest we'll ever get to a ring. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Moreland, how much did he even make last year? I think the last time I saw it was like eight thousand. I think. I haven't. Probably that minimum. He's like become a full time NBA player, right? Like an end of the bench full time. He's been on a roster now for like five or six years, so I think that means you're yeah. I mean, you're like an established player at some point. I always thought he was like decent. He's probably always going to be that role. I I don't know how old he is now, but um, yeah, I I remember liking what I saw with him. Oh, he's still twenty seven. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that makes sense. It's been quite a few years. Mm-hmm. Big men also um, reach their peak latest and develop latest so there might still be a place for him I but think, he's an uh, nba champion he's better than charles barkley that's that's just a fact um <laughs> i think papa Giannis is on the greek national team that will be playing in the world cup here this month or next month mm. oh nice uh uh jack cooley isn't on an nba summer league roster and that is an outrage true but didn't he just oh, win yeah. some kind of a title of some kind oh he did over in or no he lost in the oh, finals awesome. well I could but, not oh, love Jack Cooley more. I was at Summer League last year in Vegas, and when he scored, it was like LeBron James entered the building. He was a Vegas <laughs> superstar. That's like banning Wayne Newton from Las Vegas. <laughs> Jack uh, Cooley is the new Mr. Vegas. Oh, I got a last question before we close the podcast out. Um, I'll let Sanjesh answer this. And Brad, you can answer it as well. How many Summer League games will we watch until the Kings sign David Stockton? <laughs> um, none. Not, so you don't think he makes the roster this year? Oh, David Stockton for, like, the Kings G League no, team? or for the uh, Summer League team. David Stockton comes in oh. a Summer League team every year, about two or three games in. <laughs> hmm. I mean, I they still need to show, or they still need to play Alex Robinson and Bryce Brown, but I think maybe two games. <laughs> okay, two games. <laughs> <laughs> He's been on a playoff roster since we last saw him, I believe. I think he was on the Jazz playoff roster last year, so he might be a little too big for us, but I'm going to say three games. Okay. Well, there Remember you go. the weird year where he was on our G League, or G League, our Summer League roster, even though he had already signed overseas and was not going to play in the NBA? Because I, I think there is some kind of thing in the CBA where the Kings are required to have David Stockton on their summer league rosters. It's just to spite Bryant to have yeah. a Gonzaga superstar. Mm-hmm. Before uh, we close, do you guys remember Jakar Sampson? I do. Oh, yeah. Um, he played He played four games for Chicago last year. Guess his numbers. I'm going to guess he was awesome. Like uh, something similar to uh, when Drew Gooden played for the Kings for, for one game. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was Jakar, like 14 and 10? Jakar in four games averaged 20 points a game, eight rebounds, Hell yeah. one assist, one <laughs> steal, almost a block, shot 
88.7% from three, 81% free throw shooter. What the heck? <laughs> wow, that is a superstar right there. The Kings I forgot him. about him. I had to look him up. I loved him, though, in the, with the Kings. He had brought he brought really good energy, too. One thing, through good and bad, the Kings have always found very likable, like, 13th men. Yeah, they they do, yeah. Yeah, going all the way you, back to uh, John Brockman. John Brock? What's that guy up to, I wonder? Oh, yeah. I think, I think he retired and became like a farmer. Uh, he became Jack Cooley. Yeah, he retired and became Jack Cooley. Oh, the Brockness monster. Didn't he, uh, wasn't he the coiner of Brockness? Didn't he do, this is, we're way off the track right now. Didn't he like break some pancake eating record? Am I making that up? <laughs> like Corey Brewer, you could tell me anything about John Brockness. <laughs> Does nobody Brockner. else remember that? I swear, I'm gonna Google that for the show. I think he has like a record for pancake eating. We went from free agency to pancake eating. <laughs> hey. Well, I I guess that's gonna do it for the Sacktown Royalty Show. Um, Brad and Sanjesh, thank you guys for for joining me today. No, no problem. problem. I look forward to swiping this from your hands. I was about to say dead hands, but that's even morbid. <laughs> yeah. No, that is morbid. Jesus. <laughs> um, it's become Game of Thrones. It's just. All right, we'll see how much of this last, like, 15 minutes of talking about the most obscure kings uh, we can think of makes it into the to the final product. It probably I think will, it all should. It probably will. Um, but for me, that's going to do it for the Sacktown Royalty Show. If I never record another episode again as a host, uh, it's been super fun doing it. Um, like I said, always, always, always fun actually recording the show. It's the other stuff that I could, you know, I could leave behind. But for anyone who listened or wrote reviews when I asked them to or complimented me for an episode or whatever uh, all that stuff was really awesome to read it's what um made me keep recording these as it got more annoying to do all the work for them uh, so thank you all for that and until the next episode uh this has been the sacktown royalty show thanks guys thank you yeah thank you i stopped an old man along the way Hoping to find some old forgotten words or ancient melodies. Alright, I'm gonna end the recording there. I think that was really good. When all else fails, you just go for the obscure kings. It's always yeah. a good conversation. That's like a that's a crutch I've <laughs> used since day one. I think I've mentioned Tyreek Evans in half of my episodes. <laughs> obscure Kings, rookie of the year, Tyreek Evans. <laughs> I didn't mention Vano, damn it. Oh man, he's a free agent. How old is he? 35, 36? Yeah, I think he retired. I still follow him on Instagram, though. I don't. <laughs> Are you his one follower? <laughs> I think I think so. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll uh, I'll tweet at him to see because he might he must not get that many mentions. Uh, but <laughs> he's never he's responded like, yet. Unless he's Elvis from Slovenia or wherever the hell he he's might from. Might be the biggest they have. I have no idea. <laughs> he's the like wasn't Darius and Gila huge in uh where was he from? Bosnia, maybe. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I heard he was just huge over there. Damn, like I should have mentioned him. Or like Pacquiao, where like he's like their top boxer <laughs> and basketball player and like musician. Isn't he like a senator or something? <laughs> yeah. With like yeah. super problematic views. Beto right. could be that in Slovenia. I don't know. Hedo Turkoglu's working for Turkey's dictator. <laughs> yeah, didn't he say like something? He he did something bad recently. I don't remember what it was. He's a sent. Oh, he uh, called out Cantor and called him a liar. He's basically the turkey guy's like Sarah Huckabee Sanders. It seems like. 
the turkey. This part, am I leaving this part in too? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. You could, you could probably juxtapose it in, and it would fit right in. I'll do a post, a post uh, exit theme song <laughs> little uh, thing for this. That's what, that's gonna be my tradition. I'm gonna have post credit scenes. Yeah, that's <laughs> Nick Fury. Nick Fury gets me into the Avengers. So this is oh, inside. This is an inside podcast tip. Uh, the the podcast tracking thing we use that I'll show you. Uh, there's a a number for um, completed episodes, and if yeah. I so like it's charting how many people are watching or listening to the very end of the show, and sometimes if I make my uh, I've tested this if I make an outro song, people stop listening right when the outro song starts, so you don't get a little <laughs> point for oh, okay. that uh, thing. But if I leave this post credit thing in there, maybe I'll get a complete a full completion episode. Because they'll nice. hear the song and then hear that there's more afterwards. Because they'll see by the little bar that it goes on for another five or so minutes. So if, if that is your last episode, I obviously need to get, like, the information and my maybe some tips on how to use the software and stuff. Which I still need to figure out, get my own recorder. Uh, yeah, we'll do that off air because I think I might keep this in. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great way to end, to tell us it's over and then just um, keep recording. Well, I, don't, I mean, it just records until I end the call, so. Uh, oh, nice. Okay, for real now, I'm going to go and, and edit this. Uh, but thank you, guys. I think that was a really good show. All right, yeah, I thank enjoyed you. It. Ben Simmons just got the max. Did he? They signed it? Yeah. Wow. Now, now maybe you can shoot a three. 